We're gonna fly to school each morning. We're gonna smile the entire time. We're gonna be more happy. We're gonna finally be fine. We're gonna get more calm and normal. We're gonna fix our state of mind. We're gonna be less crazy. We're, We're gonna, gonna finally be fine. Oh, sorry. Uh, what was the question? Greetings, human beings, and welcome back to Apartment 303, a podcast for community fans. My name is Dave, and each and every month, we are here to discuss all things community with new guests and new community topics. Joining me now in Apartment 303 is our friend Dan Nye, actor, podcaster, community fan extraordinaire. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're excited. So <laughs> I, I have a lot of community questions, and we're going to get to them as soon as possible. But, you know, our audience has not had the same chance to get to know you that I have. So before we get into all of that, let's start with the very basics. Who are you? Who is Dan and I? Well, I, first off, flattered that you, I, when I get introductions like that, where it's like, oh, actor and podcast host, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, I suppose I am those things. It's one of those things, like, you don't think about that in, in a context of an everyday speech, but it's like, yeah, I guess. So I've had a podcast that I've been lucky enough to host for about four or five years now called Ramble On About Movies. We've just been, we talk a lot of movie news. We've done a lot of specials. In the first year, I, I can say that now, in the first year of the pandemic, because now we're on to multiple years of the pandemic. In the first year of the pandemic, we had to kind of pivot because we were looking for things to talk about. We still wanted to create content, but when your podcast is mostly movie news, you kind of have to take a different look and start doing for different things. So me and my co-host, Eric, we were both huge fans of community, and so we brought on another friend of ours, uh, a friend named Nate. And so we did a massive, he wrote a bracket where we ranked, he had like a great algorithm where he put together all of the IMDb rankings, the Metacritic rankings, basically everything you could do to rank the show and he averaged them out. And so we had the top 64 episodes and we did it like a March Madness style bracket. So that's up on YouTube and it took, I think three hours in total because we did it on, we did a video of it and it was, uh, it was so much fun to do, but it was like trying to decide between your children with some of these episodes and like the further along you got, because we basically discussed every episode for a few minutes before we voted, but it was so rough going through episode by episode by episode. So that's, I guess that's one of the things that I've done in my old podcast for community. But as far as me and how I got involved in this, I remember uh, years and years ago, I came to community very early on. I had a friend of mine, Alexa, who I used to play video games with. She kept sending me the the tags. She kept sending me, like, she sent me the first one. I think she might have even sent me the Spanish rap. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. What's this? And then she sent me the other button where it was the making up voices where it's like, oh, I'm Saddam Hussein. And I keep watching these tags. I'm like, what is this show? And then I go back and actually start watching it for the beginning. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly for me. Other quick things about me. I had a double major with theater and film studies from Ohio State University. I'm out in L.A., been doing acting work out here as well. So I think that's a pretty good nutshell because we, we've talked about it before and we're going to go all over the place. But that's a little bit of how I came here and how I came to this fan. And thank a uh, huge shout out to uh, Matt from Communities for putting us together and being like, hey, I think Dan could come on and, you know, help you out on this podcast. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here and talking about this today. Yes, we have officially referred to Matt on this podcast more than once as the godfather of the community community, I buy uh, it. which we are so fond of calling the group of people you know on the internet and Twitter specifically who continue to celebrate this show even in the year of our Lord 2022. So yes, huge shout out to Matt. We actually had him on couple episodes ago to help me wrap up my dinning and Halloweening episode. <laughs> and then he was also on during 
our hashtag six seasons in a bracket, which when he first connected us, mm-hmm. I had not made this connection in my brain yet. Not to you, but to the bracket thing specifically. Our listeners will know that last February, we went all in on a bracket concept for ranking all of the episodes of Community. I will, I will say here publicly, and I will admit that while I did do my research going into this project, I was not aware of the previous work you had done on the subject. Oh, oh, oh. So let me start here by first apologizing to you. Oh, unnecessary. None necessary. Now that we now that we're here, I'm mm-hmm. so glad that we've joined forces, right? Exactly. <laughs> so we went through this entire thing where, you know, we did all the episodes and all the brackets. And it's hilarious that you chose the words you did because one of our favorite guests, uh, actually the first guest to appear on our show for a second time was Jen uh, from the Community Rewatch podcast. Mm-hmm. And our favorite soundbite, well, she she did an impromptu TED Talk on her podcast, but our, our, <laughs> our real favorite, you know, short soundbite from her was her saying, and this was during the discussion on the season two bracket specifically, mm-hmm. she said, choosing the winner of this matchup was like choosing between my children. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I believe it. Literally and specifically, uh, she used those words. So you are so far ahead or very much in pace with what we're doing here. And I'm well, so excited to finally have you on the show. And, and not to tip the hat a little bit, but going into it, I even had a little bit of those issues with uh, what we're going to talk about today. So there's a little tease for you because it was one of those things where it's yeah, like, we'll get into it. But like with with my one and two, it was kind of like, oh, geez. Okay, let's use that. Let's transition into the community discussion here. And before we get too far carried away into that, I've got to give you the community 101 question here. This is the first thing Mm -hmm. we ask everyone who comes on the show. This is the first thing we get asked when we appear on other shows. In terms of the characters on the show, who do you identify with the most? It's funny. You just pitched this to me uh, a little bit this morning, and I was like, ooh. And I had probably just the right amount of time to think about it because I do – like I can, I can go into research and I can do more creative things and like really craft things. But I like how you just kind of threw this at me. I don't know about an hour before we were going to start recording, and I'm like, probably the good amount of time. Like we talked about that too. Is like being able to have that kind of organic conversation versus like something that's too pre-planned. It came up organically. It came up organically. What? It came up organically. Um, and my head's not hitting a fan, even though I am kind of tall. So that's a, everyone listening will understand that reference. Small victories. Um, so yeah, well, and there you can talk about that. I, I just, before you said that, I'm like, oh, I'm, I should probably say as far as the ranking of the, (laughs) it's not going to be the same ranking that was on the episode, but mine would be, I would have something in common with definitely the top six Todd, notwithstanding, because he's an outsider, but no, I definitely identify offense taken but it was definitely like because as soon as you wrote it down i wrote down i have things mostly in common with troy jeff abed britta and annie and i wrote all those down like almost immediately for a very long time troy his character and i love where his character arc went because he started as a jock but then they realized all the range that donald glover had and all the things he gets to do in the show so I've, i've been very much an athlete my whole life but like much like Troy, I never really let that define me and all my interests kind of go all over the place. I could say, as far as physicality, probably closest to Jeff, but I don't have his same ego. Uh, I am tall, though, so I might hit my head on a fan. So that kind of fits as well. And now I'm thinking of the amusing, I couldn't, I don't know if I could pull the season that comes from, I think it may be season two, where Jeff says he's been forcing himself to be into soccer since 2003. But I am a massive soccer fan as well. Abed, I definitely shared the love of TV and film. And like, for him, it's, there's definitely more involved with that character that like I could go deeper into, but it's also like looking at the world in kind of a unique way and finding your own perspective on it. Britta, I was going to say, I like for her, she, like, she has such good intentions, but also can sign, like, kind of put her foot in her mouth sometimes. That doesn't really apply to like the podcast world. It's just like how I identify with that character. And Annie was, I'm definitely not as much of a go-getter as she is, but there are many, many times where you can tell Annie's just excited to be there and excited to be part of the group. Or you could also say that with the Dean as well, but the Dean has so much other stuff going on. So that's why I said Annie instead. So it was really just pulling from those five people. And I obviously have, if I took more time, I would probably find more things to identify with all of them. Maybe not Chang, but uh, outside of that, definitely at least a little bit of everybody. 
I love how you said those things specifically about Britta because this isn't a question that I've answered on our podcast, uh, funnily enough, because it's yeah. the one I'm always asking. But when I was a guest on the Greendale Human Podcasters show, which was a segment we shared in our anniversary extravaganza, but they mm-hmm. asked me that question, right? And I basically answered, well, truthfully, but with the same dichotomy that you just framed Britta in, which was, I am Britta to the fullest. I'm Britta the dude, right? However, mm-hmm. what I said was, you know, my heart is, I feel like my heart's always in the right place, but my execution <laughs> oftentimes, <laughs> right, falls short of what my heart aspires to. And I love how you hit that dichotomy specifically in your breakdown. Yeah, for sure. I definitely feel a huge kinship with that. And we will definitely get into her as a character that pops up definitely in one of the episodes we're going to talk about a lot. All right, well, let's get into those episodes because last year when we started off our season two of the podcast, right, and Mm -hmm. we're not a rewatch podcast as everyone listening to this certainly knows, right, so we're not going episode by episode with the show, but rather it was just, you know, the second year of our podcast, so it was season two of our podcast. Mm -hmm. We started off by comparing all of the season opening episodes from all six seasons, right, and here we are a year later, instead of... What we did last year when we compared all of the season premieres against one another, what I want to discuss with you today is all of the season finales. And I want to get your perspective and your opinion on how those episodes stack up against one another. So before I completely put you on the hot seat to just start spouting out numbers, let me first ask you... What criteria did you have in your brain when you approached my challenge to rank these finales against one another? Like, how did you decide which one of these episodes was better than another one? Oh, man. Remind me when I'm done spouting off and rambling on that I want to hear your perspective as well before we go too far into it. Because it's one of those things like looking at all of these because you know anyone listening to this and anyone hearing us talk about these episodes they they've already gone so far and that's something i didn't mention i've done so many rewatches of this i've done rewatches on rewatches i've definitely done the abed like regular watch regular watch with the commentary other commentary regular watch cooldown that's one of the things I loved about it and one of the reasons I, you know, would a different story, but like I hold on to those physical media like I have it both on DVD and on Blu-ray because I don't want to miss I miss commentaries on so, so much stuff. I love hearing the creator's side, talk. Yeah. Even now you can watch uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which is something that those of us who rely on streaming only um, don't have available. Uh, it is still on Prime. I will make that clear. They pulled it off Netflix, but it is still on Amazon Prime. So what I was doing looking at all of these finales and It was funny because as soon as you pitched it, you were like, think about all the finales and rank them against each other. I went, okay. And it kind of... What a jerk. (laughs) No, no, no. It wasn't that. It was one of those things where it was like, when somebody says that to you, you already have your gut ranking. You're like, this goes here, this goes there. And mine did change. Um, I had two episodes move up and down, respectively, in different parts of it. How things changed and like even listening to the commentaries changed those things a little bit for me. And I, after I hear how you got to yours, I do want to say a few of these I have to push a little because of where the plot was, where the story was, and how the episodes actually ended. So some of these, we'll talk about the finales as individual episodes, which I really, really, really clearly want to do. But a lot of these are so intrinsically tied into other episodes that are possibly really around them before the premieres of the next season. But like... There are a couple of seasons you have to at least mention other episodes before you can talk about all of the finales. So that actually factored into my thing as well. And weirdly, I think I kind of dinged most of them. Yeah, well-ish. We'll get to it. I don't know. What, how did you come to yours, though? Tell me. I, I'm all over the place, obviously. So last January when we had evaluated season premieres, I was very much in the mindset of, one, how funny was the episode? Just oh, as, a, as a one-off. And then, two like you kind of alluded to here, how does that connect to not only the finale from the previous season, which obviously for season one wasn't a thing, and then how did it connect to setting up the future episodes that followed it? So that was where we were last January, and then when I came to it this time, I did very much have both of those things still in mind. And obviously, instead of not having something proceeding into season one, we don't have anything following season six, and 
I would like to start it off by inviting you to tell us your number six season finale, right? So okay. I know okay. six doesn't sound like a terrible rank, and when we were doing March Madness, either mm-hmm. my version or your version, six, six is pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, you're favored in the first round. But when you are ranking <laughs> out of six... Out of uh, six, yeah, sure. No, six is the starting point from the worst. So... I will invite you to first share with us which of the six season finales you enjoy the least. I was a little shocked by this, and I, I like how you went into I, – I want to add on to what you were saying because you, you said one of the things you were doing, your qualification was very much like, how funny is it? Weirdly, mine – I think mine ranking had more to do with impact on me personally and impact on story. And how well, especially as finales, how well things are coming together, how well all the bows are tied, and especially given this show that we're about to talk about and how many times I'm sure the studio came up and be like, hey, can this also double as a series finale? <laughs> because there yeah, were right. quite or like, a few are times. Are we going to have another season? Exactly. Or is this the last episode of the series, right? Exactly. So yeah. that's... That's why I think my number six, my my lowest, is season one. It's Pascal's Triangle Revisited. And I was shocked. This might be my hottest take, and we'll get to my episode five in a minute, which is why you'll say it's a hotter take. But that's Okay, Abed, you know spoilers don't exist in real life, right? Um, that <laughs> it is does also, if they're on our list. That is also my number six, but I hey. make your case first, please. That's gonna be, this is going to be really funny if we You make your list. case, but I'm just going to sit here and be happy while you do it, okay? This is one of the ones that actually dropped down when I did a rewatch. And listening to the commentary, they talked about how... In season one, they almost had three finales, which I kind of agree with because episode 23 was Modern Warfare, was the first paintball, which is kind of the emotional finale. Uh, episode 24 is English as a second language, which Chang gets outed for not being a real Spanish teacher. And then 25 is Pascal's Triangle, which out of those three episodes, personally, I think is the weakest, but it is also like the most sitcom as far as season one goes, I think they do a good job of doing a sitcom finale while still being meta about it with the whole arc of Troy just walking around with a giant cookie, eating it, realizing why he shouldn't room with Abed, at least at that point in the storyline. Why it's does so, my stomach hurt so bad? I don't understand. My relationship with Abed's like a giant cookie. Sorry, I will quote ad nauseum if you let me. So by all means, I'll if you're allow it. To stop. I'll okay. allow it. Continue. That's, that's one of my strong things about I will Anything in my head will just go back to a community quote. But like... You get, you get the fun things with Pierce and him trying to get Troy to move in. But then it's so hinged on the Jeff and Britta and Slater relationship. Even such a great joke that Dino has where he's like, bring Conan, or Starburns, bring Conan back. Like, that's that was in the height of all that stuff. So I remember when that was, like, super relevant. And, like, in a time capsule, somebody's going to be like, what the hell? What is that? No, I, I remember mean? that. But watching this episode in 2022, that is lost on probably more people than it's not. Yeah. And also the payoff of the Dalmatians with the Dean going like, okay, so don't be mad. Dream coming true. Like, just the start of all the I was happy he got to realize his fantasies. I'm not going to lie. I was happy for him in that moment. (laughs) John Oliver just chewing on all the scenery and knocking over, like, massive cookie, like, trays with cookies. So funny. His keys being in the taco meat. Like, that's there's so many good, like, jokes. But I also think that... I think because it comes off as such a formulaic finale and then you get the cliffhanger of Jeff making out with Annie, like, it seems a little bit more, this finale seems more forced than most of the other ones. Well, and obviously we'll get into other ones that I feel like we're a little forced as well. But this one seems just so much, it seems very formulaic as far as the show goes. And for a show that in the first season is probably the most sitcom and then once you get to two, just all bets are off. I think that's why this is at the bottom of my list. Where where are you thinking? What are your thoughts so about So my plan was one? to have you give me all six of your rankings and then chime in with my opinion because as a tyrannical producer, you know, <laughs> I, I tend to reserve that right. You, you guys can't hear the whip cracking in the background. He's you got know. like an automated across the country just like <laughs> – However, since we've agreed on our number six, I'm going to go ahead and chime in here. I agree mostly. Uh, and my former co-host, uh, you know, he sent me his rankings and – this is one of oh, the nice. things we've always disagreed upon. He yeah. puts it number two. I put it number six. And Ooh. my com- biggest complaint, and I do think this is a funny episode, not really in the A storyline, but I think the B and C storylines, the throwaway comments, the one-liners, oh, I think they do hit a lot. And we will probably, before the end of this podcast, get 
deeper into why I'm not a big fan of Chang, but I think Chang's really solid in this episode. Oh, like, he's, yeah, he's on the lesser end of his psychosis and just on the funny kind of one-liner end of his psychosis, mm-hmm. which is where I like Chang to be, right? Put, a, but, put on less lipstick. Your mouth looked like a coin purse. I love his throwaway lines comparing British lipstick from <laughs> the Valentine's Day dance to the transformal dance, as it were. So anyway, all of that being set aside, the reason that I put this episode at the bottom was because even though if you're just ranking on kind of how many times did I laugh, it mm-hmm. probably deserves to be higher. I hated how obvious and stereotypical and forced it was. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love most about Community is that his, his was always kind of the anti-sitcom sitcom, right? Yep. And it tried to defy the classical tropes in a way that was not just anti, but also clever. And I think that in this episode, and I don't know why, I don't, you know, I haven't interviewed a lot of the behind the scenes people from this episode. It feels like, from my perspective, that in that last episode, they completely sold out everything they had done the entire season on Community and just were like, okay, what do 66 percent of people want to see and so like they brought Slater back she hadn't been in the show for like seven episodes and I I thought that her other episodes were fine but to bring Mm. her back randomly out of nowhere just as a foil without any extra exposition was really forced and then that wasn't even the worst part of the episode for me I think the best part of the episode was the character development with Britta although I will say that's only relatively right because yeah she makes a really hard left-hand turn from who her character is. Like, yeah. she is this empowered feminist checking Jeff Winger, making him a better man, making him answer for his weaknesses to being the worst written stereotypical female lead from 1959. And maybe that was part of the meta humor, right? But it didn't mm-hmm. hit for me. And then... As much as that was a conflict, to throw the Annie thing in at the end, and like I know, maybe this is my most controversial community take. I know there are a lot of people on Twitter specifically who are dedicated to the Jeff and Annie. Huge shippers, yeah. I can't even say relationship because it didn't actually ever happen. But well, I guess that's the why they're shippers, yeah. But that to me was just, okay, you've already forced this ridiculous two-person love angle that didn't really drive with the rest of the season. And now, after all of that, and no resolution, no closure, you're going to add in this third element, which never actually gets resolved later? Like... I mean, well, and actually we will we'll get to that because it comes up in a later episode. But I definitely agree with you, and I think that's why it feels almost tacked on. Like, if you would have stopped after Modern Warfare or after English as a Second Language, where Modern Warfare being the emotional climax, like I said a second ago, the emotional climax of the season, or English as a Second Language, where Chang basically falls from grace and then you realize how crazy he is. There are so many other places you could have cut there. And I think I think they tried to do the best they could while making a stereotypical sitcom finale their own. I understand with what you're saying as far as like, where are they taking Britta as a character? Which they they kind of retcon in season two, episode one, where she's like already been there and like nobody had heard from her, and she was like, "Oh, I just got into this." I say it's not like, even just her. Slater never comes back. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more interesting as well because you get and had I thought about this earlier, it might have gone up in my estimation. But I, I I'll keep it as six out of six because. Episode one of season two pays off so hard because of that. Like, that's when you they clearly got their mojo back and they're like, yeah, that might have been stereotypical sitcom. But the whole fake wedding part of the premiere of season two is just so pitch perfect. And everyone learns everything that happened and everyone's just screaming at each other like it makes that finale better with the premiere of season two, in my opinion. I agree that Anthropology 101 retrospectively makes mm-hmm. me feel better about anthropology or excuse me pascal pascal because that does hit all the right notes yet they only really carry forward one of the storylines there and it's the brita one so slater's mm-hmm. gone forever and there's like yeah. one joke where annie's like hey but we kissed but really yeah. that's not a part of the episode 
no, it's definitely a theme throughout the episode because she she definitely does the thing where because they're doing it more very much from Jess' point of view where she's like, and just so you know, technically we didn't like kiss, we either. Frenched. Yeah, exactly. Like according that's to why National it, Review. <laughs> exactly. According <laughs> to National Review. That's one of my best any throwaway lines <laughs> yeah oh and then the i think they said it was the uh, improvise her look back and the little skip where she mm. walks away i don't like where that's going either and then you get the whole troy and like the troy and pierce thing and like so they do carry a few things over it's definitely like tying up the loose ends of but i i think that's to that's where the show really shines is shining a light on all of these tropes that we're so used to and so like you're saying it's just kind of weird seeing them so front and center at the end of the first season, but then by the time you get to season two, and already they don't know if there's going to be a season three, so they're like, fuck it, we're going to throw everything at the wall and just see what happens. And that starts here, because you don't realize, like, we get to basic rocket science by episode four, so they're they're already starting to go pretty high concept, and then epidemiology is episode six of season two, so it's like, you're already so far gone, like, everything's out the window, so it's a good... It's a good transition to see like where the series was and how they're shining a light on all these things and then immediately deconstructing them. Yeah, I definitely agree that Anthropology 101 makes me feel a lot better about Pascal's Triangle. In fact, a year ago when we did our episode ranking the season premieres, Adam and I both chose Anthropology 101 as our number one out of all it. six of the season premieres, which we don't need to get into now. If you want to know more about that, you can listen to last January's episode. Check out the old one. Exactly. But exactly. real quick, before we get too far, let's uh, have a very quick moment of silence and pour one out for Betty White, speaking of. Oh, man. I know all, all the people that listen to the show on Twitter, you know, we've already connected, but mm-hmm. what a blow to the end of 2021. Like, we were so close. And I know. It's just... I loved her work, but more so Mm -hmm. than even her specific work, she had just become a symbol of hope in our society, which is... Oh, a force, yeah. Look, I don't want to make this a political podcast, but, like, I think most people would agree that, you know, despair and hope, that ratio has changed dramatically over the last four to six years. Sure, yeah. One to two years, depending on whatever. But, you know, I feel like Betty White was one of the last things that we could really all agree on. And maybe yes. I'm off base oh, sure. there. But, man, a lot of people suffered collectively uh, as a result of that. And I, I we, we have paid our tributes. And, yeah, Anthropology 101 obviously was where she made her mark on the show community. But her work outside of that and even just as a general cultural icon, um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be felt for a long time. She will sorely be missed. We will always speak very highly of Professor June Bauer, Betty White's character for Community that, you know, was a, just so many laughs in just yeah. one tiny episode. And this this is not why we will fail. So we will honor exactly. her. We will exactly. honor her memory. But, you know, I think that episode specifically really, it, it does make me look more fondly upon the end of season one. But if I'm looking mm-hmm. at these episodes, even taking that into part of the consideration, it's still my six. So yeah. I think we flushed that out. Where, gotcha. where do you land with number five? So number five, I would say this is probably my hottest take as far as that being that I put the season four finale not at the bottom. I chose not the gas leak year to be at number five um, for a few different reasons. Like this was a it was a Megan Gans written vehicle. So she stuck around, which was, you know, thankful, thankful, thankful to her. I'm a little sad that we only got Joe Latruglio in the Gas Leak episode in the Gas Leak season because I feel like he's such a great partner to Jeff, and I just love Joe Latruglio. So I was a little sad to see he was only in that. But one of the reasons this is it's a little bit lower for me is because I like what they did. Obviously, you're going without Dan Harmon into this, and when you're trying to do, like, we'll get to the finale of season two later on where you have both the paintball episodes and those were basically like oh yeah watch this and then they try to do it one more time and they go even you already take a high concept idea with paintball and you're going even higher concept and you're trying to tie it into the darkest timeline which is you're drug you're juggling a lot of balls there and the reason i ding this is because i like the ideas and i like how they're executed but one of my favorite things about the show in general was They almost always found a way to make whatever crazy, ludicrous, high concept thing they're doing, whether it's the Dreamatorium or whether it's 
uh, estate digital estate financial planner, not financial. I'm, I'm butchering that episode, like the the eight bit episode, essentially, they always found ways to ground it in reality. And I think that's one of the reasons I don't like this finale as much is because it is pure fantasy. There's a solid I don't know, I want to say 12 minutes, more than half of the episode is a fantasy. And that's one thing I loved about the show in general is that no matter how fantastical the characters or the plot became, there was always some rational explanation for it. And that's, you know, obviously why a character like Abed works so well. And they even double down on it and they go like triple meta when Abed is explaining to Jeff how it's a fantasy in his own head. It gets so layered at this point. Like, I like it a lot, but it's one of those things. I, I think their ambition was so high with it. It was one of those things that like that's where the weight of the show could have collapsed on itself, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and I don't have it in my number five. I have it in my number four, but gotcha. one of the good things I will say about this episode is that something you touched on actually while we were discussing number six in a positive light, which was this episode felt like they were trying to wrap up the series again. Again. And mm-hmm. I felt like they really committed that in season three also, and again in season four. And yep. for all of the bad things that I can and will in a few minutes say about this episode uh one of the things i did appreciate about it was the fact that they didn't know if it was going to be their last episode or not and they Mm -hmm. tried to pay some service to that just in case uh yeah i definitely agree with that it's one of those things as well where i like that they have it almost that they show the when they're showing the graduation ceremony and then on the other side they have like Vicky and Todd and like you see what the other study group could be like and I was like oh that looks like a fun show you could watch as well because they have like we had there's such good B characters in community B and C characters really that are like almost throwaway jokes but like they could have their own series as well but yeah definitely like you said as well they they are trying to tie together so much stuff and they're and they're trying to have Jeff graduate and they're trying to have Pierce graduate and they're trying to do paintball again and they're trying to throw in the evil time or the darkest timeline as well and it's there's so much going on in this finale the darkest timeline is a great joke it's a great meme it is a phrase that you can say that anyone who's ever loved the show can instantly connect with but I love how they wrap that up there I really struggle with the end of season three and a lot of season four. I think a lot of people struggle with season four. But for me, it's like, you know, the end of season three through the end of season four. So to really Mm -hmm. kind of permanently be putting it into that storyline, I found value in that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe depending if our rankings aren't that far dissimilar, or did you want to hang on and wait to talk about this finale? Or do you just want to talk about it now since it's your fourth ranked? I want to hear your number four. Okay, before we go there. We, we went both sides on the six because it was the same. Same, I, I, sure. I, I pr- would prefer to hear your ranking straight through and then agree or disagree with them. Yeah. I was a little surprised because, like, tying into what we were talking about earlier, I was surprised this one fell so low. Uh, my number four is season two is for a few paintballs more. I was surprised this was so low for me, and I think this has to do, like we touched, like we talked about a little bit with season one, is... To me, this is so this is the quote unquote finale, but this is one of those ones I feel like you can't um, you can't talk about the finale of season two without talking about both of those episodes. You have to talk yeah, about not this whole issue balls. of the mm-hmm. premiere from the following season. The, the conclusion to the season was really a two part episode. Right? Mm-hmm. You, I would even I would even push that a little bit. And you have to kind of talk about the one before as well. But mm-hmm. the reason I say because you get to that emotional finale as well, or you get to that's more sitcom when Shirley has her baby and it's a bottle episode. So that's a straight up you joke about the bottle episode in season two. But applied anthropology, when she has her kid in anthropology, that's also a bottle episode. Yeah, they they're don't, just in that classroom. They're just in that they classroom. They discuss things that are happening inside the classroom, but we don't see them from the viewer's perspective. They're mm-hmm. just mentioned by the characters in the primary scene. Exactly. And Shirley being pregnant. And like I, I touched on earlier, where you have basically these two episodes for a fistful of paintballs and for a few paintballs more. They do both a Western and then they do Star Wars. This is, again, such high concept and like, because your concept is so high and then you have Abed being Han Solo, you have so many things going on as well. But like this is one of the ones it felt like this is the this is one of the finales that they didn't feel that pressure that they had to do the series finale as well. And I think I tend to lean a little bit more towards the series finales, obviously season four notwithstanding. 
but I like them putting, I like pretty bows on things. I like storylines actually being tied up. And for a few paintballs more, the only reason I kind of ding it, I, the, one of the best parts about this episode is the Pierce monologue. At the end of this episode, that's perfect. And one of my... It one might of be my, his best moment in the show. Oh, agreed. It, this or uh, Dungeons and Dragons, where he goes full villain. It's so rare to see him take the high road. It really pays off when he does. Exactly. That's one of my strong beliefs about the show, is the first three seasons, if you didn't have Pierce as a character, they would not work. Like, period. You need his through line oh, of... Yeah. You need of, a villain and mm-hmm. all the other stuff he brings. He and that's and it's that's one of the only sad things is like Chevy not understanding what they were doing with his character because if you go back and watch in retrospect like he brings such a dimension to the entire show and it even it pays off here where he's literally full blown villain in the penultimate episode and then he comes through and he becomes the hero and then they talk about it in the commentary how they have that slow dolly back from after they ask him to come back and he goes no thanks I'm through with you guys and then. I think it was digital. I don't think they had a real pain fall, but like the fact that they do that and it doesn't break the tension, like it's such a great, you think it'd be funny, but like it's almost more emotional that they're all so invested in what he's just said to them that they're like, they can't break the focus. So that's why I was shocked that it was just so low because it's, that's the only, and like I said before, my, where my rankings go is like where more or less all of the characters, because this is kind of all versus Pierce, and that's the big storyline. And so obviously we talked about that before. And then you get the great um, musical introduction to season three. But that's a lot of where my headspace goes when talking about finales of seasons. I think that's one of the reasons why it's all, it's on the bottom half of the list for me. What's your four? I, I mean, I have some good things to say about that episode. Oh, sure, sure. I, I Go for it. agree with your take that this was one for me that they felt like they might get another season. It didn't seem like... It felt like mm-hmm. a, a season finale. It didn't feel like they were hedging against a series finale when I watched this episode. You know, when I first rewatched it, my first thought was, man, you know, I love paintballs. Paintball is such an important and iconic part of being a fan of community, right? Because the first time they did that, it hit us all in a way we weren't prepared for. Yes. But by the season two finale, this is our third paintball episode in like mm-hmm. a year. In and barely over so, a season, yeah. It was so good, but it just, to me, it felt played at that point. And even even feeling that going into it, I, I love this episode. I have it as my number two, actually. Ooh. What was your number three? <laughs> is that where we're My at? number three. Uh, yeah, we're going through all mine first. My number three is Basic Sandwich. Um, is the season five finale. And this is another one. This is the one that made it to the highest of maybe those two-part finales or the episodes that I felt like couldn't stand 100% on their own because Basic Sandwich ties up a little bit of the quick storylines from Basic Story, which is where they quote-unquote saved Greendale and then you had uh, Ronald Muhammad come and appraise the school and I then they decide to sell the subway. I think two can compare insofar as you're saying. I think that the penultimate episode really needs to be considered in terms of the finale mm-hmm. even more so than the following season's premiere if that makes yeah. sense well yeah because it's if you don't like i went back i went straight back into basic sandwich and it's them coming up because i think that i think basic story ends with jeff and britta deciding to get back together and then they're about to sleep together again in the study room and then they're broken up by abed the dean and annie yeah, being all, like buried treasure premises storyline wise in basic sandwich are introduced in basic story mm-hmm. exactly and this is very much maybe with uh without the exception of one maybe the most sitcom but i also the way they use subway I have so much more respect for Subway as a company because of how they throw their name into sitcoms, how they throw their name into here, how they throw their name into Chuck, and how they don't even care. They're just like, here, take our product placement, do what you will. Anyone can cut a check, but like at least they're taking the one extra degree of effort to try to engage with the other end, right? Oh, for sure. Like they're they're going so far as to be like we even if we don't understand what you're trying to accomplish creatively we can appreciate enough that you have a following and that we can support the creativeness of what you're doing but as far as basic sandwich go i think it makes it a little bit happier and i think it almost makes it up this high because you get callbacks to dave matthews band you get a great guest star arc like i say arc but it's really small of chris elliott as dean russell borchert 
you get a, the more tease of the Jeff and Annie, which is they they talk about it in the commentary about how is that Chris Elliott? It is Chris Elliott as uh, Russell Borchert. I thought it was Hank Azaria. No, 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 it's Chris Elliott. Oh for my sure. god, I'm tripping balls. I'm learning everything <laughs> today. This is fantastic. <laughs> It's one of those things that, like, I liked the stones. And I one of the reasons this is my three is because, like, this does give a pretty bow to everything. You see Chang with diamonds in his mouth at the end, which is hysterical. But also, I love the straight-up fourth wall break that Abed goes where it's like, we'll be back for season six, and that's canon. And literally looking directly into, car- into camera, and he's like, what are you looking at? And he's literally just like, what? just Nothing. tweeted that line right before we started recording because oh, I was it's... so inspired during my rewatch of the finale. And that's the, I think that this one is, whereas in uh, season one, you had too much sitcom going on and not enough community in there. I think this is a better balance on the other side where it has, this feels like just enough community because of course they would go for a like a hidden treasure. Of course it would come together very conveniently, but then there would be more challenges and Jeff's like, oh yeah, well we call that Wednesday or like, I think the Dean says that. But. Community is a show full of silly adventures, right? And that is mm-hmm. one of the best reasons that I love this show. But this episode specifically feels like just this old school travel by map, Muppet style, you know, find mm-hmm. the treasure adventure. And I didn't get those warm fuzzies during some of the other finales. Yeah. So where'd you have this one? Pretty high. Probably oh, higher okay. than other people. Uh, <laughs> probably closer to your rankings than what I would expect the masses to say. But yeah, th- there are definitely people out there who connect with this episode and you know like i said it's in the middle for me as well Mm -hmm. um i'm a big fan of it i think in terms of season five episodes it's it's definitely in the top tier for me i was thinking about a hang glider (laughs) like so ridiculous it makes me so happy all right you keep thinking uh give us your number two my number two and this is where i had this was the other shakeup i had so i had I have left. I have season six's finale and I have season two or season three's finale. And those are my one and two. And before you asked and you were like, hey, let's talk finales and let's talk about all that. For for years and years and years and years, uh, season three was always my number one. But I did finally have to acquiesce. And season three, introduction to finality is my number two. And then season six, emotional consequences is my number one. And I figure I'll, I'll reveal them like that. But now we'll go back and we'll talk two first and then we'll talk one because... Those two are so neck and neck for me because I remember and I think nostalgia definitely has a huge factor into this because I remember when season three came out. I remember when we didn't know if we were getting a four and then four is announced, but Dan Harmon's not back. And that's a huge thing. And like for so many years, three just hit absolutely everything right like you had a perfect balance of abed taking over from the darkest timeline of shirley being put against pierce you bring back rob cordry and then one of the things that like i get i'm literally sitting here with goosebumps just thinking about like jeff's speech to end the episode where if you go back and play him one after the other where he talks about basically being a good person is a good thing to do and how it's a foil almost the exact opposite from the pilot like it's written so well and it's executed so well that it shakes off the darkest timeline it even gets pierced to be a better person like the booyah part of the good person i could take or leave but the fact that you're even seeing character growth with him and like you get you also get the b storyline with the truest repairman which is some of the funniest things ever and how rudnick screaming at the top of his lungs about the rules in the sub chamber is so funny they pack so much into season three's finale that like all of it pays off. It's it's kind of astounding how much they do successfully. And for season three, like the fact that every single thing and I, there's to me, there's almost nothing in season in that finale that I could ever critique or like that was if they had ended like we talked about a couple of these episodes before. Hey, could this also be a series finale? Had it ended at season three, I probably would have been heartbroken, but I would have been okay with it. But in all the right ways, right? Exactly. So I think season three is, so it's not the first time that this composition appears, but Troy specifically says in the finale, Greendale is where I belong, right? And Mm -hmm. then they kick in the Gorenton track, Greendale is where I belong. And it's like, yes, that was the first time we didn't think there was going to be a season four. I mean, I certainly didn't, and my wife didn't, and none of my friends did. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I appreciated very much that they tried to give it at least the emotional wrap up, if not necessarily all of the intellectual wrap up one could have desired. But you mm-hmm. know, the bar for wrapping up television narratives is pretty low these days. So I think that well, still passes. When uh, when you're having something most as of the near, test, yeah. When you're having something as near and dear to so many people as this was, I feel like. To hit all those, to jump through all those hoops, to thread that needle so successfully. And this is also, we talked about other episodes. This is one of the, like, it could have been so hard to do this episode after the first Chang Dynasty, after that Ocean's Eleven, because that was such a big, high-concept episode. But then you ground it right back down, but you also still have the little bit of ludicrousness that, like, Troya actually calls out, put him in the labyrinth of infinite ice. He's like, no, he killed someone. Take him to jail. I love how Troy reconnects the crazier parts of the arcing season three narrative back to reality mm-hmm. in that episode specifically. You know, historically, I've been very much not a fan of the back half of season three. Like, season three has some of, has some of the best episodes you know, it, it oh, we're, some of we're the old, fighting. We're old, fighting if you don't like season th- that uh, but, back half of season three. Digital estate planning? Come on. It's just it's the Chang narrative specifically uh, okay. um, that I struggle with, and as a result, you know, I always knock all of those episodes down. But during this rewatch, I didn't oh. just rewatch the season finales. You know, I tried to do the penultimate episode. We're, and we're fighting. Those are some of my favorite episodes. The Law and Order, I'm and really ooh. excited to see this. Like I said, back <laughs> half. But we will return to this topic. I promise. Of course. Of uh, but no, I like how even in the last two episodes, they really did try to ground all of that and bring mm-hmm. it back to the A narrative, as it were, right? And really reconnect with the main characters. And it's so crazy that they did this whole episode and, and they really prepared us for that to be the end of the series. And then that was only half of it. Yeah. I mean, season-wise, like, the last three seasons didn't have as many episodes as the first mm-hmm. three. But, you know, uh, the end of season three, that's only half of the season finale. So yeah, that's th- true. There was actually, like, we all felt like it was over, but there was actually a lot more community that happened after that. So I think if, if you go pure content, if you're going with pure number, we're probably two-thirds of the way through because I think the other ones in you number only of episodes, get. Yeah. yeah, in number of episodes, I think we went from like 25 to like 13 a season. So yeah, exactly about half size for the last three. Yeah. So that brings it to my yeah. last one, tell which us is about, tell us all about your number one. Oh, it and that's that's what I was most shocked by that season six took over as my favorite finale because I think it was for like all those reasons I said like three was just so near and dear to my heart like I felt like they threaded all that needle and but what they do with six and I I just thought about this today where they bring up six but it's interesting that six has a strong mirror of uh, the Halloween in season three where they're all telling their own spooky stories but they brought it back for the finale yes, of this. Yes, it is a callback to... They're all doing their pitches and the fact that like you get multiple pitches from some characters, most notably Jeff, but it's like you, in order to land a plane that has flown all over the place and to bring this all the way down, I think, I don't know if I could, I'd have to like actually do research. It may be the longest episode of Community. I think it's pushing 30, 27 minutes is what it says here. It might be longer. You get two F-bombs, one from Britta and one from the Dean, which is very meta in There's both of their There's one from Frankie uses. too. Oh, which, what does Frankie say? And that's my favorite one. I can't remember what Frankie says, how she drops her we'll F-bomb. get here. I wrote it down. Continue, please. Okay, okay. But they do, they bring a lot of, they, they do some cameos. They bring a lot of people back. Um, you have Seth Green in this episode for Scrunch, who own, who's the tech billionaire who owns Community, Seth which is Green like. Seth Green is, I, I've really, he's grown on me over the years. Last February, we had Darcy and Solomon on, the actor who plays Dave in oh, seasons nice. five and six. And he actually gave us the backstory on this podcast about how Seth Green got involved in the finale which was basically just he's fr- was friends with Joel and showed up and they mm-hmm. kept doing rewrites but the quote from Frankie before I get too far derailed at the end she says it to Abed she says isn't the shape of your brain kind of fucked up no that was the dean that's the no, dean it's not no. Frankie I swear to you I swear okay. to you it's All the right. dean and it's very early on in the episode well it is a great line yes. nevertheless <laughs> cuz it's in isn't isn't your brain kind I was of watching up. Netflix and like that's what I heard my brain. I'm like, they didn't say that on community. I have to rewind. They did. And then they did because say that on community. 
because they because it was the Yahoo season, so this was on Yahoo screens, so they could get away with whatever they wanted to. Oh, that's fantastic. And and then the Brita drops it where she she has that very her idealized version, and they all have like for some <laughs> reason they all have phones around them, and they're like they're talking about how they're their own state nation, but they're because they're off the coast on like an oil tanker, <laughs> and this means fucking war. And then she hangs up the phone. So that's her ultimate ideal as far as like being a pure activist and also i can't go i made notes about this one because it was there's so much going on in this episode with basically them doing all the pitching and then i think one of the things that really bumps this up high for me is if you can land a concept of being self-aware in the story but also making it make sense that community board game as far as Wayne Fetterman oh, being man. the dad and how it's written and how it's like the characters are aware of it and then Dan Harmon's voiceover as far as being the narrator and it it's that's the perfect way to end this whole show because there's a button on the end of season three after Jeff's speech and after they kind of do a little bit of uh, foreshadowing and what could happen in season four but then they just go into like Leonard's reviews of potato chips and it's like th- yeah. it's fine it's a good button but this button that if you if you want to show somebody like I have a good buddy of mine who's also a stand-up and is actually friends with uh Wayne Fetterman like they're they're personally friends and I, I texted him before I'm like he makes one of the best jokes in community because it's so devastating and it's written and executed so well where he's just like, you stupid child. Like, it's so dry, but it's so funny and it's so me- like, I love everything about that button. It makes me so happy. And then obviously all the pitches, how Chang doesn't know what he's doing. You get a good uh, Justin Rowland as Ice Cube head where this is the beginning of Rick and Morty and you can hear his voice clear as day. And I like I like how they have the what could be the next study group where Jeff's the only one there. And Todd has such a dark joke where he talks about shoving a human head through a six inch drain yeah, pipe. He said it at Dave, actually, at Darsh and Solomon. We, yeah. we, we've delved into that specifically on the show. <laughs> Again, such a dark joke that they play so straight. It's so funny it's the so way they do it. Todd. Oh, yeah. And like because they just double down on his weirdness. Oh, like that's it does such a good and it's I'll, I'll have to touch on it because you brought it up earlier. I think it was a good way, and this is one of the first times I really let that Jeff and Annie storyline, like, go through. And he, because they, they're like, go to your child area, like, and they even play it for, from all sides, where she's like, in the fantasies, she's like, is this what you want? And he goes, yes, because he doesn't even know. And yeah, so we it's believe like, him for sure. Yeah, because so much of it is from Jeff's point of view, especially in a lot of these finales. But then it gets to them showing that they don't know what they want. And then when you get to actual Annie, how she's so matured, she's like, I'm in my 20s. We can it'll mean something to both of them. But it's also a great connection chemistry, but not necessarily like super sexualized or romantic kiss. So it is a good emotional climax for those two arcs and those two characters while also not being like it's satisfactory but not being like oh clearly they're gonna get married and have kids you know what i mean yeah i agree jeff's connection with annie in the final episode of the series seems a lot more genuine their Mm -hmm. connection at the end of pascal's triangle in season one doesn't uh, it seems forced it seems unnecessary it seems like why did they write this in but mm-hmm. at the end of season six it feels a lot more like we've been through shit together and like <laughs> i just love you hard like whatever the future brings you know it's not like necessarily an intimate uh like you were saying sexual kind of you know indicating f- future romantic things it's just uh, a really genuine connection and i really like that for sure. There's also the joke. There's a couple of references where it's like, what show ever peaked after season six? And then the... the, the Which ones does he name? One of them is Seinfeld, he, and I he names, agree with that uh, hard. Friends, Simpsons, Seinfeld, and South Park. Okay. Um, but the, the that might also, have to be an entire another podcast. Of just oh, for sure. It would. <laughs> but it's it's also so funny that like they do Jeff and Annie do jokes about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how many oh, people... Too soon, too soon. But it's so great because it's when it comes out. Hold on, when did this this aired in 2015? So you had some movies, but the the full on community. Not where we are today. Yeah, yeah the full on community MCU crossover. That's actually something that Eric and I talked about. Where it's like we firmly believe if a one armed lawyer ever showed up and was played by Joel McHale in the MCU, then it's confirmed because they already have so many other characters and actors who have <laughs> popped up in the MCU. So it's oh, it's so great. These boring ass Marvel movies. Um, I'm sure that internet fans would overwhelmingly enjoy it. 
Oh God, yeah, that would despite be despite my personal opinions. <laughs> that would be it. Would make me so happy because you had Danny Pudi and Jim Rash and Ken Jeong and Yvette Nicole us Brown. It would a lot to talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Oh yeah. For sure. And especially listening to the Scrubs rewatch podcast where they've talked about um, oh, a lot man. about Cougar Town um, because you have the shared Bill Lawrence universe, which includes Cougar Town, and we know Cougar Town and Community are in the same universe. Clearly, and so yeah. then you can go further and do community MCU and the Bill Lawrence for so it can it's there's so many layers. It's one of my favorite Troy lines from the Dreamatorium <laughs> episode. I didn't get Inception. Okay. I, but love, yeah. I love all of this, but let's let's try to find uh, a solid foundation again here. So sure. we you said your opinions. Remind me and our listeners, just for the sake sure. of, of sanity and recapping here, from six to one. So my number six was season one's finale, Pascal's Triangle Revisited. My number five was season four, Advanced Introduction to Finality. My number four was season two, For a Few Paintballs More. My number three was season five, Basic Sandwich. My number two was season three, Introduction to Finality. And my number one was season six, Emotional Consequences of Broadcast Television. And we talked a little bit about your list, so now we, we did. I got I got really involved. Uh, There's the nothing wrong with that with Pascal's, and then I've I've really been trying to hold back. In the meantime. <laughs> well, now, well, so now we go. Then what's your five? Because I know so you've talked about it a little out, bit, but. We're, it, in general, I would say our lists really match up heavily. And our, my mm-hmm. listeners will know that I do not discuss these types of rankings before a show with someone because... You know, oh, it's so much why, more fun. Why spoil the fun, right? Yeah, exactly. It, even though sometimes it's led us to an episode where I've agreed exactly with other people, and that's not the most exciting. Um, and we're pretty close, but there, there are a few points yeah. of disagreement. Uh, so at the bottom, we're, we're on the same page. I've got Pascal's at six, and then... Well, maybe not. So I have the season three finale... Uh, at my number five. Oh, my heart. Go on. Yeah. Well, and, and so for me, and then I have advanced finality above that, right? At okay. Four. And so in my mind, I very much consider those two episodes in the same mindset, even though, you know, if you asked me season three or season four, like no mm-hmm. one would say season three, right? There's a reason that it's jokingly referred to as the gas leak here, but I thought... The season, season four, you mean? Yes. I thought the season four finale felt very similar to the season three finale to me both in terms of strengths and weaknesses Mm. um you know it did good kind of wrapping up what was going on at the time it also didn't feel like they thought they were going to get another season so they tried to do you know what we've discussed was more of kind of a a meta wrap-up um but i really want to get into the top three and really i think i think two and three is a thing because going into this so emotional consequences uh, of broadcast television ended up winning our bracket out of all the episodes from seasons four through six. So okay. not just being the best finale, but being the best episode of all the back half of the show. Gotcha. And unlike Remedial Chaos Theory, I was like, yeah, I know everyone. I, I know that's the opinion, but like, do I really feel that in my heart? Mm-hmm. And I rewatched it and I was humbled. Like... Mm-hmm. And I can't even put my finger on it. Like, Emotional Consequences has it. It is my number one. We are on the same page. As much as season six is, well, it's not my least favorite season, but, you know, it's in the bottom three. <laughs> it, it blows me away that this finale is almost universally acknowledged as a great episode. And I feel like it's not even so much about the stuff that it did, because it did a lot of great things. It hit a lot of the emotional notes. But I think it also avoided a lot of the pitfalls, the things that I didn't like about the other episodes. Like so, what? What? What was? What was this avoiding that you were you found lacking in the other ones? So everything below it. My number two was paintballs, and like I did kind of mention earlier, I love that episode. I think it's a great episode. I love that. That's one of the few times Pierce gets to actually be the real hero, mm-hmm. uh, and not just the comic relief. I enjoy that episode, but the you know the fact that it is the third paintball episode, you know, just for me doesn't carry the gravitas that the series finale does, right? So yeah. as much as I love that episode, like it's got to come in below emotional consequences. And then I had basic sandwich number three. No, oh, we're um, the same there then, yeah. We are, but I I feel like that's not a popular opinion. So I think in terms of our number three, we're very much on the same page. I don't think that's the way that the masses at large feel from my limited Twitter perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, season five in general, and even the finale specifically, tends to be downgraded. But 
I'm a big fan of it. You know, for me, it doesn't quite have the just iconicness of the season two finale, and it doesn't hit as hard emotionally for me as the season six finale. But when I go back to season five, I think that's one of, if not the best episodes. Like, you know, oh, yeah. I've, me- I've mentioned the Muppets. I just, in terms of season five, maybe, maybe it harkens to what we talked about, you know, the episodes that preceded it, the episodes that followed it. But I, but I do think that, in general, people are lower on that episode than it deserves to be. I agree. I think it's funny how the commonality that we did have were our six, our three, and our one. And then everything else was, like, very <laughs> jumbled around. So, yeah, for sure. I'm glad we agreed on the six. I think they were still finding their footing. And we also have, uh, it's one of those things, we also have the advantage of hindsight. Like, this is all yeah, rose-tinted glasses. Like, we can look, it's easy for us to look back on something that, like, and I think I said emotional consequences. That was aired June 2nd. 2015 like we're talking about this coming up on six and a half years later so we got to go through and we you and i and i'm sure lots of people who are listening we've gone and absorbed these so many times and they're gonna change and they're gonna be fluid and i think that's one of the reasons why we got to emotional consequences where we're because it's it's one of those things and i no matter how many times i rewatch episodes or i rewatch seasons or i go through the whole series I'm still discovering more. I'm still finding out more. The episodes that hit me when they first aired are not hitting me the same as they are 10 years later for a lot of these. So even in season one, like season one, you can tell they're still finding their footing. But then, like I said, once you get to two, they're off to the races. And I'll, you were spoiling a little bit of your brackets. I'll spoil a little bit of the one that we did. What it came down to, and I was kind of shocked by because we, you did it by seasons. We did it by like individual episodes and like seeded them by the high, obviously, Remedial Chaos Theory goes all the way through. It was number one seeded. But what I was happy about that made it all the way to the finals was epidemiology, was the zombie episode, because that's one of those ones where it's like, it seems crazy high concept. And then when you look at the list, that is like episode, I have it right here. I can pull it up real Seven, quick. I think. It's yeah. episode, it was aired episode six. So okay. that's episode six into season two. How high, like rocket science gets close to there where they get stuck in the KFC, which is close to it. And then messianic myths with Abed being Jesus is also kind of close. But once you get to epidemiology and like, well, it's epidemiology so out there. isn't just a great episode in and of itself. Like it really set the stage that allowed them to do other cool shit going oh, forward, yeah. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. So, and that's what like it made me happy that that made it so high and so far because it's like, and then you hear about all the stuff behind the scenes where it's like to clear the ABBA music, Dan Harmon had to pay for it personally. And it was like the day of the episode being aired okay. that was like, we got how... like six years of daybreak. I'm, I'm willing to make the trade. <laughs> <laughs> So it's we are so lucky to be able to look back on these. And that's why I think it's great, because like if we went through and we did that whole bracket again, I don't know if my votes would be the same as they were even two years ago, because I'm there are episodes like and I'll, I'll go into and I'm, I know I'm kind of doing a bit of a wrap up and I know we'll we'll get to that eventually. But like we're all about winger speeches here, man. Go oh ahead. God, I, I can do I can do those for days, especially <laughs> about this particular subject. Like literally when you talk about how how hard some of these episodes hit emotionally when you get to hot lava i to this day like it didn't hit me at first but like the more i watched that episode when abed like i'm i will do my best not to get emotional while we're recording but what danny pudi is doing where he's confessing to troy where he's like it's it's not like this is real life to me like i'm seeing real lava and i don't think it goes away unless you're not leaving and it is heartbreaking like what they're able to do with 22 minutes 22 minutes however many times like about 150 times through the first three seasons like what they're able to accomplish and get the the dimensions and the layers and Danny Pudi was fucking robbed he should have had an Emmy at least one or at least a nomination ah so so frustrating but like I literally I I will cry I'm pretty sure every time I watch Hot Lava I cry at that episode because he's so good and Troy's they're so heartbreaking watching Troy and Abed being broken up and so we're just we're I'm I feel lucky to be able to sit here and talk about it with you. I'm very happy. And then all of it's fluid. And like I said, we love these like our children. So it's like maybe, you know, Tim can choose? go over here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that, you know, the lava episode and even the one that preceded it, the one they did the table read about mm-hmm. like those, those almost feel like season finales to me. They really just do. In their emotion, like how hard they hit emotionally. 
in how they try. I mean, obviously they're writing people off the show, so they need to wrap things up from a, a storyline perspective. But yeah, uh, I'm really glad you brought that episode up. Dan, I'm so glad that you had the time to join us here today. I know that. Uh, oh my god! You know, we so could, much fun. We could debate these these episodes against one another for mm-hmm. for many many years, and we probably will. Yes. Uh, but I really appreciate you coming on to to share your opinion and and hash this all out with me. And hopefully, we will uh, talk to you again very soon. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, so much fun. I had a blast. All right, that does it for this episode of Apartment Three Hundred Three. As always, you can find Apartment 303 on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Dan, this is Dave signing off. We will see you next month in the next episode of Apartment 303.